This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. We now move into a time of scripture reading, and today we're going to be looking at Luke 17, 20 to 37. I'll now invite Sister Sherilyn up for the scripture reading. Okay, we're reading from Luke 17, from verse 20. Okay, Luke 17, starting at verse 20. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord? they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'm glad that you are here today uh, to, on the Lord's Day to hear God's word. Now, this passage is difficult to understand, so let's pray and ask God for help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Uh, please help us to understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, so last December, some of you know, my family and I went to Cambodia uh, to visit Shirley, uh, also for a holiday. Now, Shirley is the missionary that our church supports, and Shirley wanted to surprise us. So she went to the airport arrival hall, and she waited for us there. And you know what happened? Our flight was delayed. So Shirley uh, stayed at the arrival hall, and she waited and waited and waited. And then our plane touched down, we cleared immigration, picked out our luggage, and there Shirley was ready uh, to welcome us. 
Now, Shirley could have missed us. She could have decided to, uh, that we were too late. It was, uh, we, we arrived late at night, so she could have decided it's too late for her, and she could have gone home. Or she could have decided uh, that she needed to go to the toilet, or she needed to get an ice cream, and then go somewhere, leave, leave the arrival hall and completely miss us. But she kept waiting and waiting, and her waiting paid off. So today, we are talking about waiting and being ready. And I know some of you are experts at waiting. So uh, this week, perhaps you queued for hours to get your hands on some coveted bakwa. So if we see a queue, uh, we know that something is worth waiting for. So we have to find out what, what they're queuing for to see whether we want to join the queue, or we'll just uh, give this a miss. Today, our passage tells us, don't miss the coming king. King Jesus is worth waiting for. And because Jesus is worth waiting for, you're waiting, waiting well now is the best way uh, to use our time. So in our passage uh, that Shalin just read for us, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, you suffer, rejected, die, and then come back to life. And after that, Jesus says that he will uh, come back. Uh, after that, Jesus went, back to he- went to heaven. And after, after going to heaven, Jesus told us that he's coming back again. So this, one of those, this is one of those passages that Jesus tells us what happens when he comes back again. And I hope today that you will trust in the king who has come and to expect the king who is coming. Trust the king who has come. Chapter 17, uh, verse 20. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come. So here, the Pharisees wanted to know uh, when the kingdom of God will come. So during this time, God's people uh, were ruled by the Romans. They were, ruled by the, they were under the Roman Empire. So, and they wanted to be free from this Roman Empire. And the solution for them is the kingdom of God. So this is a phrase that, that we see in Daniel. Okay, so in my vision, this is Daniel speaking, in my vision I looked, and there before me was like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, Ancient of Days as God, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and king, peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So the Pharisees thought, but when God sets up this uh, everlasting dominion that will never be destroyed, then all rivals will be destroyed. All rivals like the Roman Empire. So the kingdom of God comes, then the Roman Empire, they have no chance. And maybe they expected uh, God to do signs and wonders that they can observe, that they can see leading up to this special day. Signs and wonders like in their history, like in the, the exodus from, from Egypt. Maybe make the sun stop shining, maybe the, make the moon turn to blood, and then God will come and defeat all their enemies. So to the Pharisees, the kingdom of God hasn't come yet because they're still under Roman rule. But listen to what Jesus says in verse 20. Has the kingdom of God come yet? Verse 20. Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. 
The kingdom of God is in your midst. The Pharisees, they are wrong. The kingdom of God doesn't come with these signs that they expect. No. The kingdom of God, verse 21, is in your midst. It's here. And what does Jesus mean? How can this undefeatable, this everlasting kingdom be in the midst if the Romans are still there? So what Jesus means, means is this. The kingdom of God has come because the king has come. You see, Daniel chapter 7 has told us that God will give the kingdom to someone like a son of man. A son of man. And this son of man was given, this is the one, this is the person who has authority, glory, sovereign power, and this is the one where all nations will worship. So who is this son of man? If you have Bibles, uh, please turn with me a few pages to chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 20. Who is this son of man? Who is this king? Chapter 9, verse 20. But what about you? He, Jesus, asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Messiah is the title for God's chosen king, the chosen king of God's kingdom. So this means that the kingdom of God has come because the king has come, because King Jesus has come. And Jesus has proven his credentials as king. You see, in the book of Luke, from chapter 1 until here, he has defeated disease and when he healed people. He has defeated the demonic world when he cast out demons. He has defeated death when he raised the dead, the son of the dead, uh, the dead son of a widow. He has defeated sin when he forgave sinners and, invite, and welcomed them into the kingdom. The kingdom of God has come because the king has come. But the Pharisees, they didn't recognize the king. They didn't recognize King Jesus. One of the causes that our, our church runs is Christianity, Christianity Explored. So the pastor, uh, Rico Tai, said in one of his videos that uh, he was once, okay, so this is in the UK, so he was once uh, early for a lunch appointment. So he couldn't, go, he couldn't go into the dining room, so he waited outside the dining hall. And out, outside the dining hall, uh, there was also a man. There's another man. He looked strangely, he looked a little bit familiar, but uh, the, the pastor didn't, rec- didn't look carefully, didn't look closely. They just gave each other a, a polite British nod. Uh, I think we don't, we don't do that as Singaporeans. We just look away. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and the pastor said they stood there for five minutes opposite each other in that, in that small corridor from 12.55 until 1 p.m. And at 1 p.m., someone came into, the, into this corridor and said, said to the other person, Ah, William, there you are. You are in the private dining room. Turns out, the pastor was standing beside Prince William. Prince William, the future king of the United Kingdom. But the pastor didn't recognize, didn't recognize his future king, and he just ignored this future king. He was just standing there opposite him for five minutes. And that's just like what happened with the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees didn't recognize King Jesus as the king of God's kingdom. But our worst fate 
uh, awaits those who ignore King Jesus. Those who ignore King Jesus will find themselves outside, outside God's kingdom. The kingdom has come because the king has come. So the Pharisees have missed out. Friends, what about you? What about you? Christianity isn't about following rules. It isn't about doing good. Christianity is about trusting King Jesus. If Jesus is your king, then you are inside the kingdom of God, where God promised safety, security for his, for his people. Now, safety and security seem to be absent for his people today. The Open Doors is an organization uh, that, lists, that lists out uh, the, the places where it's most dangerous to be a Christian. And they report that worldwide, one in seven Christians are persecuted. And Asia, where we are, that's two in five Christians are persecuted. So now, if the kingdom, if the king has come, if the kingdom of God has come, then why is the kingdom of God still so weak? You know, it's still so weak because the king is coming. The king is coming again. Yes, the kingdom of God has come. Jesus has started to rule as king. But it tells us to expect, to expect him to come again. So in the next, in the next section, Jesus gives us a, a timeline of what happens leading up to his coming. So verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Okay, so this, this is... Okay, so there will be... So it just tells the people not to be deceived in your longing. Now in this, in this waiting time, some people will use this desire to trick Christians. Some people will say, like verse 23, There he is, here he is. But Jesus says, don't follow them. Okay, let me show you. Okay, so this is a waiting time. Jesus says, uh, don't follow them because when Jesus comes, it won't be in secret. Everyone will know. Now, verse 24. For the Son of Man in his day will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. So at the end of the waiting time, Jesus will return like lightning. Now, uh, Singapore, we have 168 thunderstorm days per year. I hope today is not another one of them. Okay, when lightning strikes, it sends this bright light from across the night sky, from one end to the other. You cannot miss it. And this is what Jesus' coming will be like. Everyone will see that Jesus has come. Everyone. And I, I don't understand how this will happen. This has to transcend my understanding of how physics works. Because if Jesus, if Jesus appears, let's say, in Singapore, People halfway around the world can't see it. So somehow, Jesus has to appear in a way that everyone in the whole world can see it. Now friends, don't be deceived. There's a cult that says that Jesus has come in the form of a South Korean man. And that man has come and died. And there's another cult that says that Jesus has come. No one saw him on earth because Jesus went from one part of heaven to another part of heaven. Many people will tell you that Jesus has come and, to ask, and ask you to follow them because they know where the true Jesus is. There he is. Here he is. But don't be deceived. Don't be deceived in your longing. When Jesus comes, everyone will see it. It will be very obvious. Now, let's go back to the disciples' world. 
Because for the disciples speaking to Jesus, Jesus tells them that before this waiting time comes, verse 25 must happen to them for them first. So verse 25, but he must first suffer many things, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So it is necessary for Jesus to die on the cross first. Jesus must do this at Jerusalem, where he will suffer, die, rise from the dead, and ascend, go back to heaven. So chapter 9, verse 22, a few pages back, Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed, and on the third day, raised to life. So all these things happen at Jerusalem. Jesus dying, Jesus rising, and even Jesus' ascension. Okay, so this is uh, what the timetable looks like. So Jesus has to, has to do his mission at Jerusalem, verse 25. And then there's this waiting time, and then Jesus returns. Another, and Jesus talks about this waiting time as the days of the Son of Man. We see that in the next passage. That's why Jesus, this is a phrase Jesus uses. So that's where we are in this waiting time. Jesus has done his work at Jerusalem, and we're waiting for him to return. Jesus' return is also called the day of the Son of Man. The day of the Son of Man. But that's not all we see in, in our passage. Because there's, a, there's another thing that's going on. Okay, uh, it's not, yeah, so I don't know how to put it nicely at a, in a timeline. But this thing is happening concurrently. So what, as we are waiting, we must know that the King has come. Verse 20 to 21. So because King Jesus has come, his rule has started, and we must trust him now. The king has come, and the king is coming. So therefore, first thing, don't be distracted by your living. So Jesus focuses on this time of waiting, where this time where we are in, being between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. Jesus says that the days of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Now, days of Noah, days of Lot, these are Old Testament characters. They, uh, they are, Jesus says they're quite similar. They both teach us something about the days of the Son of Man. So what we see in the passage is, verse 26 to 29. In these days, people are living normal lives. Eating, drinking, marrying, buying, selling, planting, and building. But then, Noah and Lot were separated on this day to, from everyone else, and they were saved, while everyone else was judged. Okay, so that's what Jesus says in verse 26 to 29. But for those of us who are familiar with the Genesis, with the Genesis story, you realize, actually, this is not really what, what we see in Genesis. You see, what we see in Genesis is, is this. Noah and Lot, the people there, they were quite evil. Really evil. So the people in Noah's day, this is what God said about them. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw, saw how corrupt the the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted uh, their ways. Everyone was corrupt, depraved, sinful. So God asked Noah to build an ark, like a big boat. So, and then when, on the day that Noah, that Noah went into a boat and, sh- and God shut the door, and God sent this big flood that destroyed all life outside the boat. So that's Noah. People were evil. And how about Lot? The man from Lot's day was so depraved, so corrupt. 
that they wanted to uh, rape two angels uh, who visited Lot. In our, in our passage, the angels rushed Lot's family out of the city of Sodom, as, and as they left, fire and sulfur uh, rained down from the, from the sky and destroyed the city. So the people of Noah's day and Lot's day, they were evil. But Lot, uh, the book of Luke focuses just on their normal living. Why? What's so bad about normal living? What's so bad about eating and drinking? Because their normal lives distracted them from what's important. Because their normal lives distracted them. Well, it's just like uh, being late. Uh, you, you, you and I have the experience of being late. If not, great. That means you have the experience of people, of waiting for people being late. So when we're waiting for people being late, well, what happens? Or maybe, maybe your friend uh, woke up late. Maybe your friend uh, was uh, at home making a nice cup of uh, coffee. Uh, maybe your friend was choosing what to wear. Now your friend never wanted, never set out thinking, I'm going to make you wait. No, your friend wanted to, beat you, wanted to meet you. But normal life distracted your friend. Normal life distracted them from getting the time right. Just like the people of Lot, of Noah. Normal lives distracted them from, be, from escaping judgment. Normal lives doomed them to destruction. And that's what the days of the Son of Man are like. People being distracted by normal lives. My friends, what does the normal life look like for us today? What does the normal life look like in the days of the Son of Man? Eating and drinking. Marrying, being given in marriage. Buying and selling. Pursuing your dreams. Working hard for this life. Enjoying retirement. Friends, if the king is coming, then we cannot, be, we cannot afford to get distracted by normal life. Our normal lives cannot be normal anymore. It must, have the, it must have this added perspective that Jesus is coming back. And the way I live now must get, must get me ready for that future day. Now, just like if, uh, if someone's pregnant, if you get pregnant, then your normal life will change because you are expecting so you, you make room in your house for the baby to come. Uh, you'll eat differently, you'll eat healthily. Uh, even the husbands will change for you. They'll change their diets to support you, to encourage you. I hope they do anyway. Uh, our normal lives must be changed uh, because we're expecting something to come, because we're expecting King Jesus to come. Because King Jesus' kingdom is an everlasting kingdom that will never be destroyed. So if you're not ready for King Jesus, if you're distracted by normal lives, then we will be destroyed. We'll only be secure if you're ready for Jesus' kingdom now. Now how do we get ready for that? Okay, Jesus gives us more instructions how to, how to be ready. So Jesus tells us, as we're living now, don't dis disregard that day. Don't disregard that day. That day should change your life now. So that day, verse 30, is the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Everyone will see when the Son of Man has come. So we must not dis disregard this day. 
So this passage, Jesus gives us two warnings, uh, two, two commands and two warnings. First command, be urgent. Verse 31. On that day, no one who is on a housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Now, verse 31 is like a safety brief uh, on the airplane. So again, yeah, my, my, my family took an airplane last holidays. My kids were really excited by everything. They were even excited by the safety instructions. And they were really looking forward to sliding out of the aeroplane if, there, if there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, and, and uh, we're, we're always told, if there's an emergency, you run. You don't stop to take your passport, your bag, you run. Because your life is more important than, your, than whatever you, you can take. That's what's going on in verse 31. Verse 31 is saying, because Jesus is coming, your life is so much more important than, than for you to sort of stop and take anything, anything in the world, any possession, or anything, anything that you can possibly get from this world. I don't know, like fame, or like career. No, if there's an emergency, if Jesus is coming back, that is more important. You run. Your life is more important. Now, this, this, is not, this doesn't mean right that on the day that Son of Man comes, you see the lightning flashes across the sky, wherever it is, and then you, that's, the only, that's the time that you start, well, start making plans to run. No. You follow Jesus now. You don't wait until that final day when it's too late. Why? Because of Lot's wife. Verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. She, she wasn't future-focused. Now what happened to Lot's wife? See, as a, okay, so this is what happened. Uh, as soon as they uh, brought, them, brought, them out, brought Lot's family out, one of them, one of the angels, said to Lot, flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the, in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. And when Lot's family reached the first city, when they thought they were going to be safe, what did Lot's wife do? But Lot's wife looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. Remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife didn't escape Sodom with, I don't know, her Prada bags or something. No, she escaped Sodom with nothing. Oh, except her clothes on her back. She escaped with nothing and she turned into a pillar of salt. The problem wasn't that she was, well, verse, like, she, was, she was holding on to something. Her problem was with her heart. The direction of her eyes reveals the direction of your heart. Or as Jesus said somewhere, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, J.C. Rao was a pastor in England many years ago. Uh, he wrote this book uh, called Holiness. And in one chapter, he, has, he, he talks about this one verse. One whole chapter on this one verse. And the chapter is titled, A Woman to Remember. And, she's, and he said, he says two, two things that struck me. So first he said that in, Lot's, in, the heart, in her heart was this proud unbelief. God told her not to look back, but she thought she knew better than God. She thought that she was safe. She thought that that small bit of disobedience was harmless. But J.C. Rao warns us, the moment that someone thinks he knows better than God, 
and God is not serious when he warns and threatens, his soul is in great danger. Sometimes we think we know better than God. Maybe we have, we have sinned in our, in our thoughts, in our actions, but nothing has happened. So we do it again and again and again. Friends, remember Lot's wife. It wasn't the, it wasn't the physical gain, holding on to things that, that, that doomed her. It was her heart. Keep asking Jesus for help to fight rebellion in your heart. Ask Jesus to free, free you from the rebellious heart against God's word so that you'll be willing to lose your life for Jesus now. As verse 33 says, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. You can take Lot's wife out of... Oh, sorry, this next point. Next point is... The next thing that Ralph says is the look, uh, the look revealed a secret love of, of the world in Lot's, Lot's wife. A secret love of the world. So you can take Lot's wife out of the world, but you cannot take the world out of Lot's wife. And we can be like that too. You can take us out of the world, you can put us in a monastery, but you cannot take the world out of us. Well, we say we follow Jesus, but sometimes the world is deeply rooted in our hearts, in our actions, in our attitudes, in our desires. We love the world more than Jesus. Friends, remember Lord's wife. And love Jesus more than the world. Love Jesus more, more than the world so that when, the world, when you see the world living the normal life, you are willing to live, live what people would think is the subnormal life. Because, you know, this, this is where you are now, but in future, you will gain it. But for everyone else, they will lose it. Now, someone has said the best way uh, to replace all that, okay, so if you have an empty cup, the best way to replace all the air is this, is to fill it up with water. Then the air cannot fill up the cup anymore. Now it's filled with water. In the same way, the best way to love the world less isn't to tell yourself, I'm going to love the world less. Isn't to take things out of your life so that you will love the world less. No. The best way to love the world less is to fill you with a love for Jesus. To remember how much Jesus loved for you when he died on the cross for you. To remember how much Jesus loved you when he, when he reserved you a place in heaven if you believe in him. Let this love for Jesus cast out, expel all rivals in your heart. So that losing your life now, so that living the subnormal life now, for Jesus would be you know, the most natural thing to do. So be urgent and be future focused. And Jesus gives us two warnings. First, either taken or left. Verse 34, you might have family members who share the same bed. Verse 35, you might work together with other people doing the same thing. You are either taken or left. Now here, there are only two groups, either saved or you're under judgment. There's no way to, well, there's no way to escape the judgment, the day of judgment. There's no third group, there's no third way. So be ready for Jesus to return or you will be outside the kingdom. And next, judgment will be gruesome. Verse 37, Where, Lord, they asked, he replied, where there is a dead body, 
the vouchers will gather. To find a dead body, you follow the vouchers. Now, many years ago, there was this famous photo. Okay, don't worry, I'm not going to put it up. There's a famous photo of a child, of a child in, uh, I think it's Somalia, collapsing out of, hang, out of, out of uh, hunger. And just behind, just behind this child was a waiting voucher. The, child, the voucher was waiting for her to die so that it, it can be, begin its feast. Begin feasting on death. It's like, it's like the things you see in horror movies. Where you see vouchers, where you see black birds, you find death. They eat death. And this picture should horrify us. Verse 37 should horrify us. God's judgment is gruesome. You don't want to face it. What have we seen today? Don't miss the king. Trust the king who has come and expect the king who is coming. Now, Jesus doesn't come back today. We'll go back to our regular routines tomorrow. Back to school, back to work, back to regular living. So what will this passage mean for us? This passage means... Verse, verse 33, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. So we will go through tomorrow knowing that King Jesus has come and knowing that Jesus, King Jesus has, is coming. We live tomorrow for Jesus. So our lives don't belong to us anymore. Our lives belong to King Jesus and we honour him with our lives. And when, our, when people around us are living the normal life, when they're asking us, hey, how come you don't do this? How come you're not seeking this? And we say, we are following Jesus. So, it's okay. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need to, you, know, you must stop uh, eating, drinking, and marrying, buying and all that. No, I think what Jesus is telling us is, our life must change. Our life in all these areas must change. We need to follow what God's word says. But what you see here is that our attitude must change first. Jesus' first and second coming must change the way that we view our lives, must change our attitude to God. The king has come. The king is coming. Are you ready and waiting? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help us to hear the words in the passage. And Jesus, may you come soon. Amen. Uh, thank you, Nick, for the sermon. We're now moving to time of reflection and discussion. Uh, so please take some time to discuss with your neighbours uh, or in the breakout rooms as well. Uh, the following two questions. Number one, how should Jesus' first and second coming affect the way Christians live? And number two, what would life look like for you tomorrow? Let's take about three to four minutes to discuss these questions and we'll come back shortly. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.